Well, I, I don't know about the kinds of things that happen in your homes in, uh, if you uh, live with other folks. But last night, uh, we were having a, an ongoing debate about teenage Jesus. Uh, it was a very interesting debate to hear my daughter, Hannah, who is in town visiting us for Christmas, uh, 28-year-old Hannah Grace, uh, share her thoughts about teenage Jesus. There's only one story about Jesus that's not either his birth or his adult life, and it occurs in Luke, uh, the only one we have of him. Uh, he's 12 years old. He's not even, he's a preteen Jesus, not even teenage Jesus, preteen uh, Jesus. And as preteen Jesus, uh, what can we learn about who Jesus is and the kind of stuff we've put on Jesus? Because if we're really honest, a lot about uh, what we think related to Jesus is not necessarily what the scripture says to us, but what we have kind of decided in our hearts is true about Jesus. Uh, and sometimes that's right and sometimes that's wrong. Or somebody else told us this and we thought it was absolutely true. So I don't know about you, but it was an interesting debate where... Uh, uh, I shared some thoughts, and Hannah, you know, uh, being herself, shared with me her thoughts, which were not the same as my thoughts, which is a good thing. It means I've raised her to think for herself. Linda and I have raised her to think for herself in much the same way that Mary and Joseph raised Jesus to be his own person. And we're going to discover that today in the reading from the Gospel of Luke. So we're going to look together now at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, and we're going to begin with verse 41, and I'm going to read on through to verse 52. Uh, this is a story of Jesus uh, in his preteen years. The parents of Jesus used to go every year to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. And when Jesus was 12, they went up for the celebration as was their custom. As they were returning at the end of the feast, the child Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem unbeknownst to Mary and Joseph. Thinking Jesus was in their caravan, they continued their journey for the day, looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. Not finding Jesus, they returned to Jerusalem in search of him. On the third day, they came upon Jesus in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. All who heard Jesus were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When Mary and Joseph saw Jesus, they were astonished. And Mary said, son, why have you done this to us? You see that your father and I have been so worried looking for me. Jesus said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know I had to be in my Abba's house? Uh, but they didn't understand what he told them. Then Jesus went down with them to Nazareth and was obedient to them. Mary stored these things in her heart and Jesus grew in wisdom in years, and in favor with God and people alike. This is the gospel of the Lord for this morning. Praise be to God. Well, 
I don't know about you, but if I went to the mall or to some other town and my preteen daughter, 12, or my preteen son, uh, Joshua, uh, say many years ago when they were still that age, disappeared, uh, and I came upon them, and their response to me was, didn't you know I'd be here? <laughs> I'm not sure I would receive that in a good way. Now, we have, uh, we have sort of elevated, it's one of the dangers of religion. We have elevated Mary and Joseph to some kind of supernatural response. And Jesus, the 12-year-old as well. As if it's no big deal that a 12-year-old gets lost back in the big city. And that Mary and Joseph should have just known he was at the temple because, of course, that's where he was. That he wasn't endangered or in trouble or something bad hadn't happened to him. That Mary and Joseph shouldn't worry about him at all. After all, he's 12. He can do anything he wants to do. And he'll be fine. Well, I think this shows us a lot of things about how much Joseph and Mary really knew about Jesus at 12 years old. They knew that this was the son that they loved, that he was precious, and that they would do anything they could to make sure he was safe and cared for. And that didn't... So it wasn't a big deal if they were traveling because they traveled to Jerusalem in large groups in a caravan, we're told. And that he could have easily been playing with his cousin or, you know, uh, his friends or whatever. So they weren't concerned about it until they started to look for him because when it got to be dinner time, I'm sure Mary was fixing something or had brought something along and there was no Jesus to feed. This is not good. So immediately she and Joseph do exactly what worried parents would do, call the FBI. Uh... No, of course they don't, because there's no FBI in the first century. They were on their own. And they took off and headed back to Jerusalem to find their lost son, where he was, what he was doing. They find him in the temple asking good questions. Good questions, giving some answers when questioned in return. Now, you have to understand that in the first century, uh, and in Jewish culture today, the way that you uh, look at Scripture is you argue it back and forth. You ask questions, somebody answers, and you say, but you know, Rabbi Bob says this. Oh, but Rabbi Mary said this. Oh, but Rabbi Fred th said this. And you argue it back and forth, and in the end, you don't have to have an answer. You just go back and forth. And apparently Jesus was really good at answering questions as well as asking them because everyone kind of admired him and thought, hmm, he's got a good head on his shoulder. Maybe he'll make a good rabbi one day. But I think one of the most telling pieces of this scripture lesson for me happens in verse 52 when it says that Jesus continued to grow in wisdom and in body and in favor with the Lord. He did not arrive in this world fully whatever the package was going to be. I think too often we forget Jesus is fully human and part of his full humanity is 
He doesn't always know everything all the time. He doesn't always think about everyone all the time, that he's still learning and growing. That at 12, he still had some things to learn. Do you realize when you read the scripture that Jesus' ministry didn't begin until he was 30? He wasn't begin, ready to begin preaching at 12, or else everyone in the temple would have said, dude, it's time for you. You're a child prodigy. Get up there and start preaching. Start changing the world. He wasn't ready to change the world. It took 18 more years before he, he really knew who he was. That ought to be a hopeful word for you. When we make Jesus into God who arrives in person and already knows everything and has already got it all together, then we don't even have to try to be like that. We'll never grow into anything close to Jesus. We don't have to follow his precepts because obviously his precepts were good for somebody who is already born the Son of God, but for the rest of us, we'll never make it. We're just human. And the birth of Jesus says, you know what? There's a spark of divinity in every one of us. And growing up as a human being means beginning to realize the sense that God already loves you and wants you to live as though you are loved. And Jesus teaches that. We don't know what he taught when he was 12. He had good questions, and apparently he had good responses. But beyond that, they didn't tell us what the questions were or what the responses were. It wasn't until he was 30 years old, got baptized by his cousin John in the River Jordan, went out into the wilderness for 40 days and came back and started preaching the word and healing the sick and bringing hope to those who needed it. It wasn't until he was 30 years old till the message he knew became who he was. He was ready to take up his station, not when he was born, not when he was 12. He was ready to take up his station when he turned 30. He had 30 years to figure out where he was supposed to be. Now, most of us, I don't know, I'm 59, and I'm still trying to figure out who I'm supposed to be in God's world. I'm still trying to unpeel the layers of stuff that I thought about who I was supposed to be as opposed to who God really wanted me to be. That Jesus only took 20 years as a human being to peel back the reality says something about him as the Son of God. Something about the divinity in him as well as the full humanity. I hear a word of hope there. At age 12, Jesus hadn't arrived yet. The full Jesus wasn't ready to preach and teach. Maybe you don't feel like you've arrived yet. It's good news. It took Jesus 30 years. It might take you a few years too. Maybe longer than a few years. If the Son of God takes 30 years to figure out who he is and to begin to enter into ministry, that's worth writing down anyway, maybe you can cut yourself a little slack. But also maybe you can recognize that it takes a while to figure out what God's about in our life and how we're meant to live it out. Jesus, apparently one of his sole fo focus, the sole focus of his life was to figure out who he was so he could do God's will. I'll tell you, the sole focus of my life is hard to tell from moment to moment. 
Yes, one moment I want to know what God wants me to do. And the next moment, I want to know what I'm eating for dinner. And they're not the same thing all the time. <laughs> I get distracted. But perhaps if I was as focused as Jesus was at what it means to be human, that I wasn't so ashamed of my limitedness, if I recognized that being limited is part of my gift as a human being, I don't get forever to figure it out here on earth. I get a short period of time, so maybe I should make the best of the time I've got. Live the best I can right now, right here, right, right in this moment. Maybe I ought to be asking the question more often, what is it you have for me, God? What is it you want from me, God? How am I going to live that out, God? How do I be more like Jesus? How do I let the divinity you've put in me, because I bear your image, and so do all of you, God's image. God's image is on you. How do I let that image out? More of that image and maybe less of what I think the image is supposed to look like. How do I reflect the goodness of God in every moment? Now, maybe Jesus did it for his whole first 30 years. But if he did, why didn't they write about that? Because he wasn't quite ready for prime time until maybe age 30. He figured out enough about who he was and about who God was for him that he could talk about it to you and me in ways that would make a difference. You and I, you and I see in Jesus a promise. Even we can grow up. Even we can grow up and reflect God's goodness in our life. That at age 12, Jesus had a lot of it together. And part of it was his ability to ask questions. Sometimes I think I give too many answers when I'm standing up here. As if I know them all. Some people will ask me, so, I've been thinking about this, James. What is X? That's a good question. Now, my first response, trained as I am as a Western thinker, is to give an answer. Whether I have a good answer or not, whether it's the right answer or not, it's to give an answer. But maybe our response should be more to sit with the questions. What would it be like if I recognized I don't have it all together right now? And maybe it's going to take some time for God to kind of smooth me out, to get me ready. Why did it take 18 years from Jesus first appearing on the scene at age 12? Which, by the way, only Luke felt the need to report. Matthew, Mark, and John did not report that. For whatever reason, they didn't think it was an important part of his life. They didn't think the important part began until he was an adult. Luke gave us a glimpse that tells us all of us have the chance to grow in wisdom and body and favor with the Lord. It worked for Jesus. And we're supposed to be inspired to recognize it will work for us if we let it.
if we ask good questions, if we open ourselves to God, if we trust that Jesus and his path will lead us to the place we need to be. I find a preteen Jesus as a hopeful sign that even of a post-teen James can grow up if I say yes to this eternal mystery that's at work in me already as witnessed to by the Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah. That it's okay not to have all the answers. But if I pay attention, maybe I'll learn a few. And maybe I'll just ask better questions. I don't know. So as we come to the end of the year, and this is our last worship experience at St. James before the new year. Now I know you all worship with all of your life and all of your breath and all of your heartbeats. That's a way of worshiping God. But it's our last worship experience in the year 2021. Some people are ready to kick 2021 to the curb with the hope that 2022 is going to be better. Why not with these last few days left in the year 2021 ask, what are some good questions I have about where God fits in my life and where I fit in God's life? And how can I live the way God wants me to live? Like Jesus. What have I still to learn? And perhaps it's a moment for us to say, it's not a bad thing to be limited human beings. It's the gift God gave you to be who you are. Be that person. Be that person. And let God take care of the rest. I do want us to pray. I invite us to pray for my nephew, Lucas, who was in the hospital and is coming home later today. Any, anything else, honey? Yeah. So uh, uh, we just learned this yesterday. Always a good thing to learn on Christmas. Kind of a nice Christmas gift. Your nephew Lucas is in the hospital. Oh, great. And then you find out, oh, but he's coming home today. So we had no idea. He's been in there for the last several, last week. And uh, now he's coming home. So I want us to be in prayer for Lucas. I do want us uh, to give thanks for the life of Bishop Desmond Tutu, for the example he set, for the way love won out in the way he spoke and in the way he acted and the way he lived. Uh, if you've never read some of his writings and some of what he's had to say, it's just very powerful. One of them could have been something Jesus would have said to us, which is do as much good as you can in little ways. Now I'm paraphrasing him. But he said, it matters. If all of us are doing the little things we can do that are good, it will impact the world. I want us to pray and give thanks for a witness to that because he impacted the world in big ways. And so can all of you. So can all of you and me. Let's pray for hope and joy and peace uh, as this, end this year comes to an end and as a new one comes. Let's put our trust in a God who always sustains us and is always with us.
We'll begin in a moment of silent prayer. I'll pray out loud for us. And then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer. A version of the Lord's Prayer will be on the screen behind me. If it's not the one you know, I want you to feel free to pray the one you already know in the language that you know. And if you choose not to pray it, that's okay too. Or you can use the one that's on the screen. But that's how we'll end our prayer time is with the Lord's Prayer. So let's enter into a moment of silent prayer together. Thanks, God. Thanks for this one story we have of a preteen Jesus. There are lots of good questions we could ask about it, maybe some good answers we could find for ourselves. But we thank you that we have the witness of someone who could still frighten his parents a little bit uh, and who still had room to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with you that he didn't arrive already fully formed that he had to learn we thank you for that it makes us feel like hey we've got a chance to lord we thank you for the witness of beautiful voices like that of desmond tutu whose voice for justice and truth and love and doing good in this world was a witness to you. And it grew out of his faith in you. And we're thankful for that. We are thankful that we did discover that Lucas was in the hospital and that the report today is that Lucas will come home. And we just pray for his continued recovery and strength. We pray for all those who find themselves stranded in strange places because their flights didn't go where they expected this week. We thank you, Lord, that in the midst of this week, you are with us no matter what happens. Lord, we live in a world that is divided and broken and who feel alienated from one another and that we don't understand the voices of people other than ourselves. Sometimes we don't even understand our own voice. Help us, oh God, to live from a place of love, a place of kindness, a place of giving and sharing and recognizing we all belong to you. Help us to truly love our neighbors as ourselves and to love you with our whole hearts. Please bring healing in this world. And if you see fit, use our hands and our feet and our mouths and our ears, our thoughts and our prayers to transform this world. Lord, thank you for sustaining us through all of this and bringing us together online and in person this morning. We celebrate you. We celebrate you and each other, recognizing we bear the image of your son and you 
in this world. We lift all of this to you in the name of that beautiful boy, Jesus, who was born over 2,000 years ago. The same Jesus who taught us when we pray that we could pray together in this way, saying, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.